Hello and welcome to Africa Business News. As we wrap up the week that was looking at some of the news that made headlines, but also analyzing the kind of impact that news has had on investor sentiment and the extent to which it's swaying investment decisions. Godfrey Mwanza from APSA Wealth and Investment Management will be joining me in studio in just a bit for that. But before we get there, let's kick start things with the news and it's over to Bronwyn for that. Thanks so much, Alicia. Well, Kenyans are set for a reprieve at petrol stations. That's after Parliament-backed President Uru Kenyatta's move to halve the country's new and unpopular fuel levy. The 16% value-added tax came into effect at the beginning of this month, and that was in a bid to assist government in increasing revenues to narrow the country's fiscal deficit, which is forecast at 5.9% of GDP for this year. But the move triggered a jump in transport and fuel prices, which eventually led to a supply strike and fuel shortages. The tax on petroleum products will now be reduced to 8%. Britain has agreed to lend Zimbabwe a helping hand. The UK says it will support the Southern African nation's efforts to secure an interim International Monetary Fund staff program. This will help the country to quickly clear foreign arrears. Zimbabwe owes the World Bank and the African Development Bank $1.8 billion, and being able to clear this would allow the country to access foreign credit, especially for the private sector, as well as foreign direct investment. Zimbabwe's finance minister, Mtuli Ngube, has previously stated that the state was still deciding whether to follow the highly indebted poor country route or a commercial deal to clear the arrears. Africa is set to miss out on a fourth consecutive year of global airline profitability. That's according to the International Air Transport Association. IATA research shows that while the financial performance of African airlines has steadily improved since 2014, on aggregate, companies in the region are likely to post a small loss in 2018. Rising costs and an increasingly uncertain operating environment have been cited as reasons for the decline. The Johannesburg Stock Exchange is looking into tightening its listing rules. The boss has published a consultation paper after financial markets were shaken by what it calls a range of corporate scandals, rumours and innuendo. And this led the JSC to review its responsibilities and assess where regulation could be strengthened. Recommendations in the paper range from boosting racial and gender diversity on boards to doubling the notice period before new stocks start trading. It's also proposed disclosures when directors use shares as collateral and supports plans for information on short-selling transactions to be made public. While the boss made no specific mention of what scandals prompted the review, the comments come just nine months after the near collapse of Steinhoff International. Petra Diamonds has plunged into the red during the full year. The company, which has mines in South Africa and Tanzania, has reported a net loss of $203 million, and that's due to impairments and losses at its discontinued operations. If those are stripped out, adjusted core earnings rose 37%. The results come as the group's CEO, Johan Dippenar, plans to step down. Petra says a successor for the position will be appointed in due course. Vivo Energy has received the nod from regulators to purchase engine filling stations on the continent. The deal was first announced in December and will now close in March next year. This will see Vivo take over engine's network of filling stations in nine African countries, including Zimbabwe, Rwanda and Gabon, and gives Vivo access to 35% of the continent's population. But the deal excludes engine's operations in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Vivo CEO Christian Chama says that talks between the group 
NGEN and the DRC's government are ongoing, and any acquisition there will form part of a separate deal. Given this, the value of the transaction has been revised down to $203.9 million. So that's some of your news. I'll hand it back to you, Alicia, as we head into break. Thanks for that, Bronwyn. After the break, we check in on some of the latest news to have moved markets this week. So stay tuned for that. Welcome back to Africa Business News and joining me in studio now with analysis on some of the news that caught investor attention this week, Godfrey Mwanza from APSA Wealth and Investment Management. Thanks so much, Godfrey, for joining us today. So right at the top, I want to hone in on Zambia, where we have the UK expected to cut aid uh, to the country on account of misappropriation of capital, uh, but simultaneously some action being taken with uh, you know ministers being fired in a bid to show that executive action is being taken. So how are you digesting the overall uh, Zambian market landscape right now? Are the endeavors uh, enough to convince you that corruption and mismanagement are being stamped out? Well, the, the, the short answer is no, it's not enough. The, the story, to put it in context, there have been lots of uh, negative news flows about corruption, about hidden debt, Chinese loans that are sort of not properly disclosed by the authorities. Uh, and, and a lot of very negative news. And this has come in a context where Zambia has borrowed a lot. In the last five years, so from 2012 to 2017, GDP grew by 400 million odd, but debt officially has grown by something like 4.3 billion, almost 10 times. So it's not coming in the growth numbers and all this corruption sort of coming up. So people are starting to ask the question, is there a problem with solvency? Is, is there potential for default? And there is reason to be worried. Next year, for instance, there will be maybe a $2 billion uh, payment of dollars that need to come from interest costs and a euro bond maturing. The question is, where are those dollars going to come from? Uh, you know, Zambia exports copper, exports about $10 billion, uh, you know, imports 9.5, so you've got $500 million maybe to fund that. Your reserves are already too small to fund that, so where is that money going to come from? So your spreads on your euro bond have gone to 13%, uh, which is pricing in a default. Uh, foreigners who own local denominated uh, treasury bills are running for the hills as well. Uh, yields have gone up as high as 25-28% on very, very short-term paper in the last couple of weeks. So, you know, the currency this week has lost 13%. So the markets are telling you that uh, participants are very, very worried. Are the actions enough? Well, we don't think so. We, th we, still, th we still think there's reason to be worried. What needs to happen is a much more uh, wholehearted, uh, sort of disclosure of what the government is actually sitting on in terms of loans mm -hmm. in a way that people are convinced, all the skeptics are convinced. Uh, what's needed after that is probably an IMF deal uh, with real proper austerity measures. Uh, and then after that, probably uh, restructuring and uh, refinancing and issuing paper because you need to find those dollars somewhere that takes care of some of those uh, liabilities that are coming due. Okay, so that's some of what needs to be taken to turn this negative cycle around. In the interim, are you seeing investment opportunity in Zambia or are you steering clear until the dust settles? Uh, I think credibility is a big uh, issue and uh, it's gone so far that I think they need to buy credibility by doing very, very difficult things. Like I said, they have to be very more, more wholeheartedly open about what uh, the true situation is. We can't keep on just getting news uh, from other sources, we really need to see what's in the books. Uh, and then maybe you, you would say that there's actually a, a, a genuine efforts to turn things around. Just firing ministers is a good sign, but a lot more needs to be done. 
Okay, I asked the question because certainly euro bonds, uh, you know, with spreads as, as high as 13% would uh, act as uh, a nice incentive for some investors out there. But like you highlight, uh, the risks are paramount. Let's take a look at Nigeria in the meantime, because over there, we've had the market flat to marginally up for the week after an 8% fall over the last month. And that fall being led by the banking stocks in particular. Has the trough been hit on this front? Well, Nigeria is interesting because obviously Nigeria is the oil exporter, the big oil exporter, and, and oil prices have been quite solid. You know, uh, the Iran sanctions is taking that out of the market. Uh, Saudi says they're comfortable and sort of like anchoring sort of expectations of an $80 uh, uh, oil, and that's way higher than what the budget is in Nigeria. So you would think things are going well. Uh, but, you know, the GDP prints have been very disappointing, uh, and you've seen uh, inflation probably bottoming out. You've also seen local market rates going up as well. So higher oil prices, but lower growth than expected and rates going up is kind of a confusing picture. And more importantly, reserves, dollar reserves have actually started to come down. What's happening? Well, part of the reason may be because the structure in Nigeria is still petroleum subsidies or fuel subsidies. So as the imported product, the price of that in dollar terms goes up and you keep the subsidy at a low level, you have that widening gap in terms of like the, the negative carry, so to speak. Mm -hmm. That may be where some of those dollars are going. There may be swap contracts at the central bank roads uh, that need to be funded. It's not entirely clear. And that may be the context in which you had sort of like the desire to have dollars coming in from other sources. You know, think, thinking about the MTN, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you know, news and that whole story may be part of that. It's very, very difficult to tell. Let's hone in on that specifically because uh, this week we've had Nigeria's central bank soften the stance on MTN. Uh, what are you making of all that's unfolding on that front? Well, it, it seems as if there may be talks going on uh, behind the scenes. Uh, and if those talks are leading to, you know, uh, the, the central bank to decide that we can make a public statement that's more conciliatory, uh, and suggests uh, a cooling of tensions, then I think that's a positive thing. Okay. Uh, very quickly, Kenya, uh, the, uh, the spotlight was on Safaricom uh, for a bulk of this week. It's down 10% this week, 20% uh, for the year so far. What are some of the concerns there? And would you be a buyer with valuations having dropped back? Well, the... Kenya is a special case in the sense that it's, uh, Safaricom is suffering, not just necessarily because of what's happening with Safaricom, but because of the fiscal picture. Obviously, with the president uh, you know, putting his uh, adjusted uh, finance bill to parliament and that being ratified, and that having tax implications for mobile money transfers mm -hmm. uh, and also data, mobile data usage. Uh, the question is, how is that going to impact Safaricom's bottom line? Uh, on the data side, you've actually seen a lot of competition with Safaricom's prices coming down. So that was already a concern. So what we think is Safaricom probably will weather the storm. We think that the, the fair value of Safaricom is around about 25. It was probably overbought in our view and we were underweight the stock for quite a while. Uh, it's coming close to those levels now, 24, 25. And it's one of the highest quality names in the, in the, uh, in, in the space in Africa. So if you're a long-term investor, you could buy now and maybe buy you know, a little bit and be conservative and accumulate as it sort of weakens, if it weakens further. Uh, but long term, we still think it's, it's, it's a very good stock to hold. Okay, well, yeah. let's leave it there, Godfrey. Thanks so much for having joined us in studio this evening. Of course, Godfrey Mwanza is with APSA Wealth and Investment Management. And that's where I leave things with you for this week's episode of Africa Business News. We're back same time, same place next week. From me, Alicia Sekum, and the rest of the team, it's goodbye until then.